What's going on, guys? Hey! It's Trip. We're back with a new episode of Trip to the Movies. I bet you thought this day would never come. And I'm back yeah. with my boy, Gavin. Yo, what's up, Gang Squad fam? Absolutely. How you doing, Gavin? I'm doing well. You know, I've had a good Thanksgiving break. Yes, we are giving thanks this week. Yeah, Glad but to not to those pilgrims. Right. I hate those pilgrims, <laughs> man. What they did? Messed up. Hot take. Very, uh, yeah. You know, you're kind of a hero. But anyway, it's been a couple months since uh, we've done an episode of Trip to the Movies. It's summer break. Is that right? Yeah, Jeez. August probably. Yeah, it was like right before school started. So we're back though because I've been busy, but I haven't. Gavin came <laughs> up to me because uh, we do theater together. Surprise. Oh, that's true. Yeah, and he came up to me one day and he talked about a certain movie that we're going to talk about on this episode of the podcast, and I said. You know, we, we have some interesting thoughts about it, so we should talk about some... Ep- so we're recording a bunch of episodes today. Last Night in Soho oh, is the yeah. movie. He just mouthed me, what am I talking about? <laughs> Sometimes Gavin's on a whole nother world. Yeah, I'm kind of like... You're crazy. I'm crazy. I'm goofy a bit. Yeah, you know? he's a little goofy. But... On the Trip to the Movies podcast, I've been here two times. Yes. Um, Five we... times after today. We're doing oh, three. Yeah, we're this doing is a mega day. Mega day. Big day. Three episodes. Uh, three episodes. Yeah. But today's episode, or, you know, one of this episode that you're listening to currently... Right now. ...is going to be reserved for new movies that we've seen recently this year. And uh, it's been, you know, this is the first year back since, you know, COVID. Oh, I think that's copyrighted by the government. I think they copyrighted COVID. (laughs) Well, they made it, so... (laughs) No, but, um... uh, So this is our first... This is our first big theatrical year back, kind of. I mean, movies have been doing pretty poorly at the box office. But movies are still coming out in theaters, and it's not, like, weird for movies to be coming out. So we've seen some stuff. We've seen some stuff, We've seen some stuff together, actually. Yeah, we saw... Me, you, and Andrew. We saw the French... Dispatch. Which is the first movie we're going to talk about today. We're going to leave timestamps for every movie in the mm-hmm. description of this yep. episode. We're probably going to have a non-spoiler and spoiler section for each of them. So if, we'll we, if we do get into spoilers, we'll yeah. say it and there'll be a chance to skip ahead. And we'll give our ratings before we go into spoilers, just yeah. so you know. Of course. Yeah. But The French Dispatch is important, I guess, because on one of the last episodes mm-hmm. that Gavin and I recorded, we talked about all the Wes Anderson movies. Yeah. We ranked them, we talked about them, and The French Dispatch is Wes Anderson's newest movie. Mm-hmm. And his first, um, what do you call it, an anthology movie? Yeah, it's an anthology yeah, movie. It's a group of three and a half-ish yeah. short films that are all based under this umbrella of a newspaper mm-hmm. publishing company, company. Yeah. and and all of these short films in this movie are stories in the newspaper yeah and with completely different casts I, I think there's a couple overlapping cast members i can't remember but yeah completely different casts. timothy chalamet is in it who's yes. also in a movie we're going to talk about later oh yeah dune, dune. Maybe, come on oh yeah be, be ready yeah and yeah. there's bill murray he plays the bill murray is the um the overseer of the newspaper, and which is called the French Dispatch, yeah. obviously. And I guess this isn't really a spoiler, but he passes away. Yeah. And the French Dispatch, the movie, what it is, it sees three stories, and it's published. They're being published in this obituary, like yeah. special For edition. Him. It's the, the last um, publication of this newspaper. Mm-hmm. But what did you think of it, Gavin? Well, You're a Wes that. Anderson fan. I we we already we already talked about this a bit after we saw this movie a while ago. Like, yeah. Maybe a month. A month ago. Yeah, we saw it when yeah. it came out. We're and, big um, fans. Yeah, I, I, I liked it a lot. I don't think it's Wes Anderson's best, but I definitely think it's a good movie. And it's a good return after the disaster that was Isle of Dogs. Yeah, not a disaster. I think it's a disaster. Yeah. This you... isn't an Isle of Dogs episode. This yeah. is a... If you want to hear more about that, listen to, I think, probably the first episode. The second. It's one of them. It's, it's one whatever of them. it is. There's it's the Wes episodes. Anderson episode. But I thought that this was an interesting movie to say. I mean, any Wes Anderson yeah. movie is going to be interesting. Definitely. But this movie's important because it is a return to live action for Wes, for Wes Anderson. Anderson after um, right. Isle of Dogs. Right, yeah. after Isle of Dogs. And it's his first live action movie since The Grand Budapest Hotel in 2014. Oh my god. Yeah, so it's been a while, it's right? It's been seven, seven years. years. Oh. And basically, my dad wanted to see this movie. We never got to see it because we've both been incredibly busy. But, uh, see it together. I saw it with you guys. Right. But his whole thing, what he heard from the grapevine, and he's not into movies like we are, so he right. doesn't like go seeking out information. All he heard about, the reason he wanted to see it is because of the colors. 
He said, which are not there for most of the movie. For a lot of it, there's there's a big black and white section, and no, and basically the entire movie is in black and white. Yeah, and there's section there's sections of the movie. This was one aspect I really liked, where it would change aspect ratios and change out of black and white and like very powerful emotional moments in the scenes. And I really felt that. Yeah, and the. Uh, the first one, the concrete masterpiece, which is my favorite. I think it's your favorite. Yeah, out of the three short movies, yes. There's, there's this is the short film. If you've seen the trailers at all, it's got Benicio del Toro, Adrian and Brody, Leia Seydoux, right? Is that, yeah, Seydoux. Yeah. yeah, she's French. Yeah. Oh. And yeah. Um, it's about a painter in prison. Yeah. And yeah, that was my favorite of the three. Yeah, and there's a moment when. At the at the very end of it, they walk in and they see all of his paintings on the walls, and it switches. It's kind of a love. It's a love story between a prison guard and this painter who's in prison. In a way, yeah. Yeah. It's complicated. And there's a really nice moment where he enters and he sees her in color, and the aspect ratio changes. It's, yeah, it's very nice. Well, the thing that for me that I love about Wes Anderson is obviously he's got all the little quirks that he has in the yeah, way that the, goofs. the dialogue is delivered <laughs> yeah. is always not realistic. Deadpan, stilted. Yes. And for me. That's I love the way that he can justify that through the medium that he's telling the story through. Because mm-hmm. obviously in The Royal Tannenbaums you open and it is a book. So it makes sense that they're talking weirdly because you're within a book. Yeah. You've got the same thing in Grand Budapest Hotel. But apparently not for Life Aquatic. Right, well that's not a book. But well, yeah. Oh my oh. lord, the dog doesn't like Life Aquatic either. Oh, come Argus. Argus. Bro. He's in the other room and this mic is picking him up. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Hey, what's up, Mike? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the French Dispatch is justified through, obviously, a newspaper editorial. And I love the fact that he uses that to tell the story in different ways because all three stories have this different tone. And Wes Anderson is known also for perfecting a certain visual storytelling. Symmetrical, very symmetrical. Yeah, it's always symmetrical, and it's always exactly the same, and what I loved about this movie is he doesn't shy away from that, and it's still the same, but through the use of color and through Mm -hmm. these little moments that he has where everything will change for a second, he is experimenting, and I like that he's doing that because it's easy for him to continue to make movies exactly the same way that he always has, because he's pretty much... It's profitable. He's perfected it. The Grand Budapest Hotel is... A perfect visual movie, basically. Yeah. I mean, if you see in, in like any new movies coming out with like one specific color for like the entire color palette, people will just say it's a Wes Anderson like ripoff. Yeah, basically, because that's what he does. That's what he does. So the fact that this movie, even though, like you said, and you're right, it doesn't have like that distinct like colorful thing that people come to expect from him. He's trying new things, and I like that about the movie. And I like the three, all three stories I like. The Timothy Chalamet one and Francis McDormand one, I like that too. I like like that one too, but I think it was the weakest. I also think it was the weakest, but I love it. I think it was a fantastic movie. Um, I have a, a few issues with it. Some of the stories did not connect with me as much, like the second one and the third one. Um, the third one especially, but I like that one more because of the ending moment there with yes there are some great moments right but it it is a great movie i just wish he could have maybe developed i know it's hard to do it and like that short like 40 minute time span not even 40 minutes like 30 minutes time span per scene it's hard to develop the characters but i would have liked a bit more character development so i could get more invested because i wasn't as invested in the second and the third scenes yeah you can tell that he put the most effort into the first um scene I think so. I wouldn't be surprised if he got the whole idea for this anthology thing based on like a dream for the first, and then he just had oh, to yeah. come up with two more. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. But the most, the main criticism that I've heard for this movie for the people that don't like it is what you're saying right now yeah. that the characters don't have as much development, and for whatever reason, I don't know what it is, but I can just watch it, and because it's through the medium <laughs> of a newspaper, I'm just I'm there. Just I'm just there for it. And I'm absorbing all the information and I think it's hilarious. I think it's his one of his funniest movies. And I wouldn't call it his funniest. Life Aquatic. No, gosh, <laughs> man. Jeez. It is his funniest movie. This guy watches Life Aquatic like twenty five. I ha- no, I'm week. sober. I'm sober. Right. I haven't watched it in a month. Did you get a chip? Six month chip? <laughs> a month? Alright. Yeah, yeah, a month. A month. But it, it, it is a um, very and all the performances too are Fantastic. Fantastic. Oh, they open the first of the shorts. There are three big ones, but there's also one that's like five minutes, maybe ten minutes long with Owen Wilson. Oh, that's great. And he's just 
riding his bike through the city, like describing it, and it is gorgeous. And it looks like a painting. And I know that everybody says the same thing about Wes Anderson movies, but when you've got a filmmaker where you can sit down and watch a movie and you know who it's by, that's the greatest thing. It is. Right. I'm sorry to be a little pretentious. No, no, it's not pretentious. It, it can be, but true. it's true. It's, it's, true. it's very yeah. true. So, in terms of thematically, this is a question I wanted to ask you because we haven't talked yeah. about this. But thematically, where do you think that it aligns with the rest of his movies? Does this have the same like core values, you think, as some of his others? Oh, that's an interesting question. Yeah. And I, I think the fact that there are three different stories also changes things a lot. But what do yeah, you think? Yeah, they all... The, fir- the first two... The third one's the most different from the others. Yes, because the first two stories are both love stories. Love in stories. A way. Yeah. And it reminded me of, um, I guess, Moonrise Kingdom a bit. In a way, and yeah. The, and the characters... I do think he's at his best when he's telling a story about love. I think Bottle Rocket's got a great love story. Right. Grand Budapest isn't a love story, but in terms of friendship, beautiful. Yeah. You know? And yeah. so I think that when he's focusing on the relationship between two people rather than an extravagant thing, I, I, that's my favorite. Now that you're mentioning it, the stories do seem a little different. But I think stylistically, he borrows a lot from his previous films. Of course. But, of course. But, like... Because it's him. Yeah. But, like, specific things, like in Life Aquatic, there's a shot of the boat, and it's, like, cut out, and you can see all the rooms. Mm-hmm. You remember that one shot of the plane? Yes. In the first scene? Yes, he, I like, thought borrows the same that. thing. I did. Um, the little... In the second scene, I'm not going to say what happens, because it's a spoiler. But um, there's a little electricity moment. And that felt like something yes, from Moonrise Kingdom when the dog got shot. Yeah. Um, yeah, so very specific moments. It feels like he's taking like very specific moments from his other movies and putting them all together. And I guess that could be another criticism from me of this movie is the tone. It doesn't really have one specific... Like, it's kind of comedic. It's kind of dramatic, but I can't really find it. And the themes, besides the first scene, are really mixed up for me. Especially in that third scene where it gets all jumbled and there's so many characters going on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I can get I can pick up what you're putting down for sure. Yeah, I can. I, I like the it's fact good. that it was different from his other movies, like I've said. Yeah, yeah. Because it felt like he was veering off, and I think that that's cool. Yeah. And I hope he continues to do that. And I love claymation. I love all animation. <laughs> yeah. I love animation. I think it's beautiful what you can do with yeah. it, especially now that technology no, is so. Right, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that on a different episode. It's true. But I like Wes Anderson when he's working with live action stuff. Because I think a lot of the times that animated movies can communicate things that live action movies can't. Whether that's for children or in an adult animated movie where it kind of flips the whole idea that animation is for children on its head. You can communicate more through animation. But with Wes Anderson, he's so talented visually and I think with screenwriting that he takes things that could normally only be told through animation and then puts it in live action right. so i would like if he continues to you know stay stay on this yeah, path of course. and he's making a new live action movie is he i haven't I seen think it. it's called asteroid city or something it's set in italy and yeah i'm excited and he's been working on it bill murray said in an interview yeah so really he's going back to live action okay guys, good because i think we said this in the other wes anderson episode but Fantastic Mr. Fox really changed Wes Anderson yes. in terms of his view on style and storytelling. So yeah, but I'm I'm glad to see him going back to live action because Isle of Dogs just didn't work for me. Yeah, all right. right. Well, where do you think this ranks in? Um, we did a ranking last time yeah. of all the Wes Anderson movies. Where do you think that this would go? You don't have to have a specific place, but I, just... I do have a specific place. You do? It I, is I don't. below Grand Budapest, but above the Royal Tenenbaums. Interesting. So it's at number seven out of um, ten movies. Because I think the six that are above it are just so much stronger story-wise and character-wise. Yeah, because it's hard to... when it, For any anthology movie, it's hard to compete with yeah. the story. Oh, and here's here's another thing. Uh, criticism about this movie. Maybe this is just his main. This is just his main. But he crams so many actors in and just little cameo roles. So it, it doesn't... There's, like, main characters for each one, but then there's so many side characters. They just don't feel memorable. Like, I'll give you this for Royal Tenenbaums, even though I'm a big critic of that movie. Eli Cash is a very memorable side character. Yes. But with The French Dispatch, I can't recall a main side character that was like, that guy's funny, even though he crammed so many of them in. It's a criticism from There's one scene that I found to be 
I guess, I mean, can we do a quick spoiler thing? We can do a quick spoiler thing. Yeah. Um, I give it an 8 out of 10. So do I. Yeah, 8 out of 10. I think it's one of the best movies of the year. Closer to a 9 than a 8, than a 7 for me. Agreed, yeah. I think it's one of the better movies of the year. It is one of the better movies of the year. I'd be surprised if it didn't make my top 10. Ooh. Which should be an episode that happens. Yeah, I don't know if true. it will, but top 10 of the year? Yeah. Everybody loves top 10. <laughs> Everyone loves top 10. But let's move into spoilers right here. If you don't want to hear spoilers for the French Dispatch, move on to the yep. next uh, time code. Yep. But there's one scene specifically that stood out to me as, and this isn't a character, and this is such a cliche thing to say, but I think in this movie, like, the camera almost is a character. Oh, yeah, it is. And just, like, the side Definitely. gags are characters in the movie. And there's one scene, and I know that you feel the same way, because everybody, me, you, and Andrew were all, like, dying. But there is, like, a, just randomly, like, a play within the movie <laughs> that comes on. For, That's like, the best part of the movie. It is the funniest part of the movie. It's during the second story. Yeah. And it's like a comment. They're in a. Um, you explain it. It's but. it's this military base. It's this. I think it's by the writer Lucinda yeah. Cremens, who is Francis McDormand's character, and it's a play that she produced. And it's these um, guys at a military camp, and it's very like dramatic. Yeah. And one guy kills himself. Yeah, it's it's like the most random off. thing. It's just out of nowhere. But that's like funny, and yeah. that's very specific. And what surprised me is he did it for more than, like, five seconds. Yes. Which is what he should have done with some of the other side characters. I would agree with I mean, that. It wasn't part. like a family guy cutaway where it's, no. like, a two-second gag. It, it went on for, like, seven minutes. And yeah. I'm just saying they're like, what? But it was funny. No, it's hilarious. It's, it's hilarious. It's funny. Yeah. I, I, All right. Yeah. I, that's re this yeah, movie is hard to spoil. But. It is hard to spoil. I'm going to bring up one more thing. I know you feel the same way Go about ahead. this yeah. as well. Go ahead. Yeah, sure. Uh, the thing that elevates the third... Um, scene above the second one yeah and this is, is by the way because we haven't said it yet the third story is about jeffrey wright and he's a food critic yeah and he's retelling a an article that he wrote in the past go yeah, ahead about a police chief and yeah. his son being kidnapped and jeffrey wright uh, if you aren't familiar with him is like the greatest he's in westworld he plays bernard oh yeah i don't know if you're familiar he's also in james Bond. He is. He yeah. plays the. Uh, oh, don't tell me. He he's the um, CIA. I just, guy. I just what's, watched what's his name. Die. I don't know. I know it was forgettable. Yeah. <laughs> it was, he was a forgettable character. Yeah, but he's in it. Um, yeah. The moment there. So the basically in this in the scene, uh, the police chef saves the kid from being kidnapped, but yeah. he poisons himself. Yes. And there's a moment between the chef and uh, Jeffrey was, Wright's character and Jeffrey Wright's character. Yeah. It was, Really nice. This is really amazing. There's a really good moment there. And I even though this That's is spoiler, I don't even want to spoil this. <laughs> that, it's, even, a, it's in the spoiler section, but I don't want to spoil it. It's, it's definitely worth seeing. It's still in theaters in Charleston, at least. So yeah. if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, go ahead. Of course. Especially if you like Wes Anderson's other stuff. This is really artsy and pretentious. but No, not really. Not really. I'd say Wes Anderson's gone mainstream enough to where you think so? it's not that artsy and pretentious. I, I hope think so. back during Royal Tenenbaums, it could have been considered artsy and pretentious and definitely with light aquatic i just fear recommending anything to anybody really yeah all the time i get scared i'm like i don't know because they're gonna be like what, <laughs> what if they uh, don't like it yeah exactly you get scared about that don't you no i, I don't because i recommend synecdoche new york to everybody i meet all right that's fair all right what is our next movie that we're talking about gavin we're gonna be talking about dune directed by denis, denis Villeneuve. is that why i say his Villeneuve? name yeah Villeneuve. yms says um denis Villeneuve. yeah he changes it a lot but yes dune is the long-awaited adaptation long -awaited. Of, I, of the book yeah. dune yes. by frank herbert which yeah. is a seminal which is the word that everyone's using it's seminal sci-fi piece yes and Dune, if you are not familiar with its other adaptations, is considered to be an unadaptable yep. piece of fiction. They tried to do a movie, David Lynch directed an adaptation of Dune that has pretty... Because well, of studio pressures. Yeah, it's been, you know, not well received by critics. And then there was a miniseries in the early 2000s, I think, and nobody yep. likes that. And even before that, there was a director um, named Jodorowsky. Yes. And he tried to make Dune... And they made it, and it like completely failed. But it would, it could have been great. Yeah, there's a documentary. Um, there's a documentary about it. about it. I have to check it out. But I just remembered that. Yeah, it's That's called Jodorowsky's Dune. It's it's a good documentary. I've seen it. Yeah. But people rejoiced when Denis Villeneuve was announced to be the director yeah. of Dune because he has a great track record. Yes, he does. He is the director. These are some of his English language films: Prisoners, 
which Jake it stars Gyllenhaal. Hugh Jackman, who should have been nominated for an Oscar, and he wasn't, and it makes me upset. Okay. Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal in a story about abduction. It's like one of the most sad movies. And God, I still got to check that one out. Oh, you still haven't seen it? Oh, it's terrific. Yeah, man, for real. Uh, Arrival? Yes, Arrival is... Oh, if, if, if it's not my favorite sci-fi movie, no. it's one of them. But it's great. It's cause it starts Amy Adams and yeah, uh, that was the movie Hawk that came out five <laughs> years ago. Yeah, Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner. But a terrific movie. app. Did you know about that? The Jeremy Renner. Oh yes, Renner yeah. App. I watched the Drew Gooden video or whatever it is. Yeah, Either Drew Jeremy or... Renner made an app. <laughs> I don't know what it was called, but it was a social media just about <laughs> Jeremy, Jeremy Renner. Renner. It's like I, I don't everyone's know. favorite Avenger. Yeah. And there's a new Hawkeye show. I still gotta check that out. I'm not. It looks watching pretty that. terrible. Yeah, I'm not watching that. But yeah, Arrival, one of the great sci-fi movies, yeah. at least of the decade, of the 2010s. Yeah, and maybe my favorite sci-fi movie, Blade Runner 2049. That's the one that I think allowed him to do Dune. Even though, no, but that movie, here's the thing about Dune. Um, Blade Runner 2049 failed at, at the, the box, box office. Yeah, but everybody loves it. But everyone loves it. the movie that's seen it. Yeah. So, um, Denis, when he was making this movie, did not know if there was going to be a part two to it. Yes. But after it made... A fair amount of money at the box office for the pandemic. Yes, it wasn't like a you know, but it in made term, a lot. Yeah. It made a lot for if it, if it had made as much as it did like three years ago, it would have been considered yeah. a failure also, because Dune was and you can tell if you watch it an incredibly expensive oh, movie yeah. to make. It is the scale is just enormous it's huge. from the minute it's it starts. Huge. Yeah, I think they filmed somewhere. Somewhere in either Africa probably in the or world. Asia. Okay. Somewhere. Yeah. Probably probably in the world. Yeah, I think, I think that's they, what they did. Yeah, not on the actual planet Arrakis. No. But let's go into the story. Let's go into the story. Let's do it. Uh, well, we'll try. Because <laughs> it has a pretty incomprehensible. Let's just say a very bare bones description. And so this is um, one of the reasons why it's considered to be an unadaptable una- story. It is about space politics. Space. Kind of like the Phantom Menace. At the beginning, where they're talking about like trade and stuff, but it's about like salt. It's called Spice Melange. Yeah, and there's a planet that called Arrakis that's like full of it, and there's these houses that like are battling over this yeah. material, and it's like a hallucinogen, but it's also like for space travel or something. Yes. So it's about these two houses of like families and whatever. Yeah. Fighting over the spice, and it stars. Timothy Chalamet, who plays Paul Atreides. Atreides. Yes, Rebecca Ferguson is his mom, who is also what is called a... What is it? like a? She's like a witch, but I don't know what they call it. Oh. A Jesuit? Uh, a Jesuit... Jesuit... Jesuit Bezzeret or something? Are you rapping? I can't... <laughs> Jesuit Bezzeret, yeah. Yeah. No. Um, yes, she plays Wait. his mom. But, but she's also like a witch. It doesn't matter what it's called. Man. I'm going to look it up. Because if you going. watch the movie, you're not going to understand the plot still. I'm <laughs> no. telling you. But she's like a witch. So that gives like Timothy Chalamet like royalty because his dad, Oscar Isaac, is like the duke of this of House Atreides. So he has the heir to the throne and he's also magic. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's the right way to describe it. But yes, it's basically it's magic. the whole Jesus. thing, the whole movie, I hate to describe it this way, but it's a straight vibe, man. No, <laughs> but basically Shut what up. I'm trying to say is that the story. Oh, okay. The witches, they're called the Bene Gesserit. I was Bene Gesserit. Okay. They're, oh, the Jesuits are like a biblical thing. Anyway. Um, hey, the the movie does have some very biblical themes. Oh, of course especially. it does. He's Jesus. Yeah, Paul in canonically is space Jesus. Yeah, in a way. But what I'm trying to say is that the plot doesn't matter. It's no. a movie about Timothy Chalamet not knowing whether he's good or evil, basically. Don't you think? It kind of reminded me, uh, like, thematically of, like, Anakin, almost. You know what I mean? Like, in yeah, Star Wars. No, it, 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 no it is it, Anakin. It, it, it's very I think similar. George Lucas took a lot of inspiration. They look similar, too. If, if, if they made the prequels now, he yeah. would have played Anakin, I'm sure. Um, oh, yeah, of course. But George Lucas took a lot of inspiration for Dune. For, yes, for, for Star, Star Wars. Wars. Yeah, it's true. And from the book, because the David Lynch movie was not out yet, but from the book. Yes, from the book. So, And many people are saying now, and I don't care what you're about to say, because people are saying this, that Dune, this franchise, because it's going to be a franchise, is like the next Star Wars. People are saying that. I f- I, you know what? I agree with that. I think but it is. I don't think that... It deserves ter- it. I don't think it deserves the title of being the next Star Wars. Let's talk, let's talk about... Um, Criticism. I know you love the movie. I love Dune. I'm just going to come out and say it right now. I don't know anything that happened. 
the it's entire like movie. Yeah, we'll say that yeah. in a second. But I was just sitting there looking at attractive people on screen. <laughs> Objectively. Objectively. Attractive people on screen <laughs> with the best visual effects probably ever thus far. No. Yes. No. Some of that CGI was terrible. There's one shot that's bad. The dragonfly things or whatever? No. That no. was terrible. That looks so goofy. You look kind of goofy, man. Oh. I'm and, sorry. and Paul. And was the, and the... That's the one shot that's bad. There's one shot where, because he has these dreams where he's got blue eyes and Zendaya's there. <laughs> It, he has very similar dreams to me. He just <laughs> Zendaya's around. But, She's always there. Yeah, but he oh, just Euphoria has... Euphoria season two. Coming out. Yeah, I've never seen Euphoria. You should watch Euphoria. I hear, I, hear I should. But yeah, but he has these dreams where he sees Zendaya and he sees like himself and doing... And this is not a spoiler because it's in the trailer. And also this shot is in the trailer. Yeah. Where he's like fighting and he his like mask comes off and it's him and it looks... Oh, terrible. it looks so... That's the one shot in the movie I didn't like. But other than that, I think the visual effects are like paramount. Especially... I think the worms look sick. Everything looks good. I think the... Okay. Here's the sand? It looks so sandy. It does? Because well, it's sand. Yeah. That's <laughs> I, I, I don't know... It looked, yeah, the sand. Oh my god, I just want to like... If I felt it, it would probably feel like actual sand. I would definitely see a 4D screening of Dune. I would see a 4D screening of Dune. Yeah. That would be kind of sick. Well, but what I'm saying though is sensory. Like the sensory experience of Dune. I don't care whether you understand it or not because I don't. But what you're looking at and what you're listening to... I love the score from Hans Zimmer. I don't. I heard it was bad. Yeah, some it's people bad. I think it's, it's bad. great. I think it's just a bad score. It's... You know what it reminds me of? Hmm. You know Avatar, the Blue People movie? Not Avatar the Last Year, but yeah. it reminds me of that with the vague, like, tribal screaming, like, the, oh, yeah, oh, oh yeah, you know? there is definitely some tribal Which stuff. is just, like, and there's, a, an Avatar, they tried, for the score, James Cameron wanted, like, an actual language to be used yeah. for it, but then that just kind of fell apart. I, Denis didn't, I don't think he's spoken about the score for it, but the score is just, it's very plain. You think? Yeah. I think... But now, I'm going to talk about Tenet really quickly. Okay. So Tenet... Came out last year. Came out last year, directed by Christopher Nolan. It was his first movie in a while since Dunkirk. Yeah. And, um... It was the first... Pan like, I saw it in the Terrace Drive-In, so it was like... Oh, that's... Well, that's probably why you didn't like it. Well, no, I didn't like it because it sucks. But it was like mid-pandemic. Um, so, and we... Gavin and I have drawn parallels between how I feel about Dune and how he feels about Tenet. Explain. It's... It looks amazing. The spe the special effects in Tenet? Oh my god! Are you kidding me? That looks sick. And the fight scenes, the car chase. Oh my god, it's all beautiful. And they give all this exposition. And I don't care. Because I'm just sitting there looking at the action. I think they give as much exposition in Tenet as they do in Dune. Uh, Dune has a lot of... Uh, here's what I'll, I agree that the special effects in Tenet, the visual effects, are amazing. They are amazing. But I'm talking about Dune as it is a sensory experience. I think Tenet which is sensory Which includes oh audio. And the yeah, no, I know. But I think the Tenet score is amazing. But I was the sitting... audio is tr bad on purpose. You never understand what... Yeah, but I don't care. Well, I don't. you don't care what the people are saying. I don't care what the people are saying. But I still like the sound. But the sound is cool for Tenet. The boom, 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 boom. No. Going in the background, it's sick. No, it just reminds me of like school assemblies. At a real school. Not, not our school. Like, oh. There are no assemblies at it's our school. It's a little dark. Yeah, well, I mean, we just sang and stuff. There's no like football. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, I... Anyway, this is not about Tenet. But I love Tenet. Go watch it. Don't. It's better it's than Dune. It's so bad. Dune is the best movie of 2021 so far. It's Nobody. There's a movie oh my called Nobody. God. I love that movie so much. Yeah, it was so good, much. but... Oh, I love these some action movies, bro. And Dune has one of the best scenes I've ever seen in any movie, period. What? I would say that. The sandworm scene. The first sandworm encounter. Yeah. Where they're flying it, flying over it, and Paul's oh. out there. He's going, Ooh, what's going on? He's having the vision with all the spice around him. Timothy Chalamet just being Timmy, man. Yeah. Boys will be boys. Boys but will yeah, be boys. Call Me By Your Name is problematic. <laughs> it is. It uh, is a problematic it is, movie. Yeah. And it's handled very poorly. Okay. It's not about Call Me By Your Name. Um, but that's an amazing scene. And the special effects are there. The worm looks sick. All the sand looks very cool. Mm -hmm. Timothy Chalamet does a great job in that moment. One of the best scenes I've ever seen. But then when they're... Whenever they start talking, I just immediately lose interest. I just I just sit there and I'm I'm watching it and the dude's like I'm fat go I'll go stop the the, the on the house and they're like and then Dave 
barista is like, no, no, the, 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 the Atreides. And I don't like, I don't care about it because I don't know what's going on. So I can't, I can't get invested in, in any of these characters. Uh-huh. So I'm just sitting there looking at this movie and it looks nice, but like, that's about it. Yeah. I really can't stand watching it. I think the main thing about it is that all the characters are hot, so it doesn't matter. But that's oh the Duke, yeah, the Duke's, <laughs> Tim, the Duke's pretty fine. But Timothy, Shel- <laughs> no, here's what I'm saying about the movie though. Um, the, the one character that I could really, you know, not connect with, but the uncertainty that the, I think what the movie's really about is that Paul, Timothy Chalamet's character, is space Jesus. Is space Jesus. And it's like Jesus if he had some moral ambiguity to him. And I don't I wasn't there when in <laughs> now, Jerusalem. Yeah, when when I, Judas showed up, I, I wasn't there. I wasn't there, I was, so I don't know what happened. But the fact that Paul has so much uncertainty, and this isn't an unheard of concept in a movie where, you know, a character has like the right to the throne and he doesn't know what he's supposed to do. Yeah. But I think they handle it really well. The there's a scene and there's a YouTube video about this scene that the director, Denis Villeneuve, I explained. Watched that. That's yeah. a great scene. The um where he sticks his hand into this pain box is that what it's called yeah it doesn't matter but he has to stick his hand into this box and it'll make him feel pain and he does it and it's a great scene it is a great i think surprisingly it kind of this feels like it's contradictory to everything i've seen but i was the most invested in the movie in the first part up to the first sandworm scene um like the dial like i was interested in learning about this world and i still am i have dune the book and the other books on my christmas list because yeah. i'm interested in this world because it seems cool i hope santa brings it <laughs> oh but, oh i don't know I, how I, old these people are oh okay oh, but um uh oh i lost my train of thought yeah but but anyway the movie if you're looking for just First of all, wonder because it makes you just like the whole spectacle of it's crazy. It's, if you miss it, in theaters, it's a very spectacle movie. I don't know if it's still in theaters, but if it is, it is, you better see it in theaters, not on this HBO Max garbage. Well, I rewatched it on HBO yes, Max. Yes, but see it first in theaters because of how big it is. But so I, I saw it the day it came out with um, our our mutual friends Andrew and Kate, mm-hmm. and I I gave it two and a half stars. But then I rewatched it on my own, on my TV, on my on my 4K TV, on HBO Max, and I had a better experience because I was I could pause it. Is this an ad? Yeah, it's. I, <laughs> We're no. sponsored by HBO Max. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, hashtag not an ad. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but I watched it and I enjoyed pausing it. I enjoyed subtitles. Yeah, that's I true. think the sound mixing in, in Doom sucks as well. Not it's, as bad as Tenet sound mixing, yeah, but it's it pretty so bad. bad in Tenet. But yeah, I think it's hard to understand what people are saying, but yeah, whatever. But it is not the next Star Wars. Um, with Star Wars, I, I'm, I'm jumping. I'm jumping ahead. Go ahead. With Star Wars, you can watch that first movie and enjoy it on its own. Yes, this is a problem that everyone has with Dune. Yes, a you New cannot. Hope. They could have. The thing with about A New Hope is they could have ended the franchise right, right there, and it would have worked. It would have worked if it fa- if it failed in the box office. It would have worked. There didn't have to be. Yeah, Empire there didn't Strikes have back. to be another one for with Dune. Dune. Yeah. Oh You're my right about god! That. It's literally just two hours of exposition, thirty minutes of action, and then it's like, you guys ready for what's next? Apparently, and then Denise like, oh yeah, the real stuff happens in Dune Part Two. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to pay twenty bucks. Sitting here watching a movie that's all just people talking about things I don't get. Like, that's not entertaining I mean, for me. I don't think that it was really that much talking. I think the fight choreography... There's a lot of action, and the fight choreography is awesome. Mm, Dude, only, Jason, for the, only for the Jason Momoa scene. Oh, I was about to say, only the Jason, for- Momoa, Jason Momoa, my man, Aquaman, he's got this scene where he like beats up a bunch of people. Yeah, it's in the trailer. And I was like, yeah, it was uh, cool. <laughs> I love- See, that's, that's, it was, that's the thing it's with Tenet. I just like fighting. <laughs> Dune is great. It's it's mediocre. Yeah. I don't think we have to go into the spoiler section. No, we don't. Because there really is no spoiler because we just watched the first act of a, of a movie. <laughs> you're, you're right. But basically, I think to sum it all up, great cinematography, mm-hmm. good direction, good performances, good action, and the story, in your opinion, is lacking. It's boring. It's a little lacking. But I, no, I mean, it's completely lacking. I mean, I guess. But it just I guess it depends on your priorities. Yeah. And I like good scripts as much as the next fella but uh there's no one there Trud. i pointed it's, there's yeah. nobody there yeah but i don't know it's i loved it so. i'm giving it a six out of ten closer to a five than a seven 
I gave it, when I first watched it, a 9 out of 10, and I said I'll leave room for... Because it's going to be a 10 when I watch it again. I, I, but I'm not going to go there yet. I gotta, I've only seen it once. And when I watch it again, we'll see. And I'll let you all know. Yeah? No. But, <laughs> but it is a 9 out of 10 for now. Because, right. I mean, if... I'm a guy who thinks that film is art, but if I, if is. you can give me something to watch and I completely enjoy it, that's well. I mean, what else yeah. can I ask for? I thought it was beautiful. Same thing with Tenet for me. And a lot of effort went into it. Clearly, a lot. Oh, a lot Same of with effort. Tenet. Yeah, Same with I, Tenet. Yeah, Same with I know. Tenet. But a lot of effort went into Dune, and I'm yeah. so excited for part two. I'm excited for part two as well. Yeah, I'm very. excited. I think if it's more action heavy and less talking, mm-hmm. then I'm going to be interested. All right. And with the direction they're taking. Uh, Paul Atreides. It looks like it's gonna be interesting. Yeah. yeah. What do you give it? Nine. Nine. Okay. Yeah. I give it a six. For now, it'll be a ten yeah. probably. And <laughs> I, and I would be, and I think that I'm gonna try to keep up with this podcast a little more because yeah. I'm gonna be less busy. But uh, you know, I'm a busy man. I'm about to be an adult. Oh. But um, congrats. Thank I you. I didn't know that. But the um, if I do like a top ten of this year, like I'll. You know, we'll see, but I would just in case I don't do that, I want to say right now that as of right now, Dune is my favorite movie of the year. You know what movie I've been debating about putting on my top 10 of this year? What? Last Night in Soho. Oh, is that our next thing that we're talking about? Good segue, man. Of course, yeah. Oh, nice. Directed by Edgar Wright. Yeah, who directed the Cornetto trilogy, which if you don't know, that's Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's World's End, End. which are three hilarious. hilarious. I would even say three five-star movies. I would say probably. Maybe maybe The World's Ending is not as good, but Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead? Are both classics. Classics, amazing. And then he went on to... America, American cinema, and he directed Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, which is a five-star movie, and Baby Driver, which is close to a five-star movie, but it's amazing. So with his next project, he returned to Britain, Mm -hmm. which is a strange choice. Last Night in Soho is about this fashion major who goes to London and um, starts having these dreams where she's... She sees this girl named Sandy. Who's she sees by. Anya Taylor Joy in her dreams, similar oh. to me. <laughs> similar to me as well. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, she sees Anya Taylor Joy in her dreams, and Anya Taylor Joy is a singer in the '60s, and eventually she sees some her bad, get murdered. Yeah, some bad stuff. Yeah. yeah some bad stuff happening to yeah. Anya Taylor Joy's character. Amen. And then she. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Continue. And then she starts to look into it. Yeah, and that's basically because she doesn't. The the whole first act is um, her back home, and they're establishing the fact. And what is her name? I'm looking it up. Her name is Eloise, played by someone. Ooh, can't do that name. But her last name is Mackenzie. She Thomason. Got... It's just Thomason. Thomason. Just is that, Thomason is that a normal da- name? Yes, yeah, Thomason. I've never heard. She's Tom. from like New Zealand or something. All right. Yeah, I saw her first in Leave No Trace a couple years ago. She's That's great. It. She's great. But um, yes, the first act is her. She lives with her grandma, and something bad happened to her mom when she went mm-hmm. to the big city. And they're establishing that she's like different and she might not fit in and when she gets to school that's exactly what happens she has a roommate that's like a typical mean girl named jacosta right oedipus rex which is i don't know why he named named jacosta a little on the nose well how is it on the nose because it didn't reference anything about oedipus rex it was just named jacosta all right you got me but she's not fitting in, and so she moves out of the dorm, and she looks for a place to stay. And that's when she starts having these visions of Anya Taylor-Joy's character. And the line, every time she goes to bed, she's like having these dreams, and it's, it's ambiguous as to whether this is happening or not. And she gets obsessed with Anya Taylor-Joy's life so much that she's not really paying attention to her own life. And then the two lives merge, and yeah. things happen. Things get interesting. And it's, it's kind of a horror movie at... at, at uh, I mean, I don't know what I mean, else to call it. it has horror aspects. There was a jump scare in there. I remember I hated that moment. But, uh, I don't remember it, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of a... Here's what I'm going to say about this movie. Yeah. And we can, will have a spoiler we section will have, on this We one. will definitely Yeah, have this movie has a lot section. to say, but... I can see myself giving this one and a half stars to four and a half stars. Yeah. Anywhere. Any of those ratings. The 60s portions of this movie, whenever Anya Taylor-Joy is doing something on screen, that's five stars. It's amazing. Literally. It is amazing. The, the mirror shots, did you know, the, there's a scene where they're dancing, and there was only two cuts in that scene, and the rest was practical. When they're, like, spinning around, 
and it switches between Anya Taylor Joy. I do and remember the other that girl. shot. Yeah, I thought that the this practical what there's, the and the mirror, the mirror. There's some mirrors. Yeah, because the, the whole movie. thing's an identity crisis. So you know, you gotta have the, you know, the mirror, the typical metaphor. looking in the mirror. You're yeah, like, but you see someone else. But but, it, but, were, but it works very and well. It's practical. Yeah, I think what the movie accomplishes better than anything else that it does is when she first gets to the city and she's not enjoying herself and then she has these dreams and you i really i don't know about you and i think it might be me thinking about next year where i'm probably going to be living in like a bigger city but you connected with that she steps out into this bigger world and she it's the musical cues and everything the visuals you know they do these like uh, wire shots that are amazing but you feel you're like wow I'm in the big city yeah, and it really does course. feel like yeah, that it feels like and that. especially because she's experiencing it through someone else's eyes that allows you to do the same thing mm-hmm. and I love that about the movie I think that the portions of the movie like I agree with you where it's Anya Taylor-Joy and you're experiencing things through her eyes they allow you to oh, do the same thing and I the love cinematography it. in those scenes is I love on it. point now we really have to get into spoilers with this one, but I'm going to say a couple more things. Yeah. This is Edgar Wright's... I can say, even if I gave this four and a half stars, this is his worst film. By far. By this is his worst far, movie. Is his I worst like it, movie. and it's his worst movie. The screenplay is not... Has, it has some weaknesses. It's No, it's very weak. In terms... What this movie is trying to do, without really spoiling it, is it's trying to be a feminist piece. But near the end... Um, the lines are blurred. The lines are very blurred, and it, it feels just so... Weird. Like, I don't know why they they shifted directions last minute. Yeah. Um, there are choices that are confusing. Very confusing and just don't make any sense to me. Mm. But I, I... What do you give it? What do you give it? Because there's a lot to spoil. I give it a, a 7 out of 10. I give it a 7 out of 10 as well. I'll probably never watch it again. I'm, I might watch it again. Well, you should, because it sounds like you're uncertain about I'm it. I'm very uncertain about this movie. But yeah, I, I, I liked it a lot, but I think... If you would consider it a horror movie, which I don't know if that's correct or not, a lot of people are. Yeah, yeah. Well, every good horror movie is a thriller now. Sure, that's true. Isn't that weird? But this isn't a good horror movie. Exactly. But I will say that, like, it is Edgar Wright's worst movie by far. But it's also a great movie, I think. But let's talk about spoilers a little bit. We're going right now. Do we have another movie after this to talk about? Yeah, Tick, Boom. Okay, yeah. So, skip ahead if you don't want spoilers for this one, because this is a movie that you should experience for you the first time without knowing what happens. But let's talk about it, starting now. Anya Taylor-Joy's character is, like... Um, is murdered. Is murdered, yeah. Or... Or is she? Or is she? Yeah. Which is the strange... So, basically, we get this scene, this vision, of Anya Taylor-Joy being murdered by her manager. Mm-hmm. In her bed, and she's been going down this downward, downward spiral for a while. Well, the whole conflict of Anya Taylor Joy's character, when, with the first, I think, two or three dreams that Eloise has about this singer character, is like, oh man, I'm being thrown into this new world, and, and it's very positive. And, and, and the first, yeah, and she's gonna be this singer because Anya Taylor Joy's a singer and a dancer, and she gets taken under her manager's wing, whose uh-huh. name is Jack in the movie. He's played by Matt Smith, who's who Doctor, was who. Doctor Who at one point. Yeah. And it like there's like a romance going on, and you're so excited. But then after the first couple of dreams, you find out that he is a pimp. Yeah. And well, I think it's about her struggling getting in the show, but show, show business, business, yeah, and realizing that uh, these guys are like terrible. Yeah, and he's a pimp, and he manipulates yeah. girls that want to get in there's the show. There's a great but... scene where it's her just going through at a club with all these guys saying like, "Hey, what's her name?" And she goes. My name, and she changes her name all the time. My name's Alexandra. And they, oh, that's a pretty name. Yeah, exactly. And um, it's about the manipulate. He manipulates these girls into becoming prostitutes yeah. in order for them to launch their careers forward. Yeah. And so Eloise starts to see that. And then she gets very paranoid in her own life. There's an old man at the bar that she works at. And she thinks that he is the pimp grown up. And then eventually you see... Anya Taylor Joy's character get murdered. That's what that's the, that's vision, the vision that Eloise has, which is a huge problem that I have with this movie, by the way, because I don't understand. Yeah, why would you would show that? Why? Because it. We find out later that she wasn't murdered, and she was the murderer. She was the murderer. So she would take. This is where I thought promising young woman was going when I first watched it. She was she was taking these guys back to her place and then killing them, yeah. basically, and then hiding them under the floorboards. But um. Let's let's talk about this old guy really quickly because I want to get this over and done with. The old guy thing was 
absolutely idiotic. He's a character in the yeah. Choice. Let's set it up a little. He's and but if you haven't seen the movie, I wish that you weren't listening. Yeah. But let's set it up, guys. Either. Come on. Let's set it up either way. He's the uh, he's an old guy that always comes to the bar that she works at. Eloise. Yeah, that Eloise works at, and she thinks that he's Jack, the pimp from before. But it turns out he's a guy who like was in the in the. And the drinking scene where I was going around with the, what's your name? He was a guy, but he was different. And he said something different. He was like, you should get out of this. Yeah. And that was the old guy. Yeah. But like, when that's, re- yeah. yeah. When that was revealed, I was like, okay. <laughs> okay. That's what I, I was like. All right. Cause the old guy gets hit by a girl and he dies and she's like, oh my God, it was, it was him. Yeah, she, he was that guy. She caused the death of the wrong guy. Yeah. Basically. But then. So, but I didn't feel anything. No, no. And the boyfriend was so one note. Yeah, there's a, there's another character who is in the college dorm with her, and she doesn't fit in, and you're supposed to feel bad for her, but she's also a weirdo. <laughs> I just put it. <laughs> yeah, out come there. on, man. She never talks to anybody, and she like has these outbursts in class, in fashion class. But there's this guy that takes an interest in her, and he's like drawn to her. No matter what she does, yeah. he comes back, and they go on. They go to this party. And they go up to her flat that she has rented from this old woman. And one of the rules is that you can't have guys over. And they're getting a little Again. promiscuous. <laughs> and then she starts seeing stuff and like screams and tells him to get out. And he's like, oh, okay. And he leaves. He's very respectful. Yeah. Good for 2020. Right. <laughs> and, but then he... Um, but then 2021. He, oh, my bad. Gosh, time flies. But, yeah, then, uh, you know, he Take comes back. Point. He helps her try to solve these missing persons cases because she keeps seeing these people in this room. And um, it, it makes no sense at all. There's no establishment as to why they would be attracted or in love with each yeah. other, dare I say. And then at the end of the movie, this is... This yeah, is no, let's first say that she, this old woman who's giving her the flat, it turns out that she is Anya Taylor-Joy's character and she's been committing these murders of these guys that were having sex with her when she was a prostitute. Uh And she killed all of them as like a revenge thing. And it paints her in a really bad light. So you're, this is what we were talking which is, about. Which is such a weird It's choice. confusing. Cause and I like, saw uh, this interview with the other screenwriter. Uh-huh. I forget her name. But I she was know. saying the twist is always there. You, and she said, I've never seen a movie where the bad guy, you empathize with them, but they're still doing bad things. That's every movie. Yeah. Darth Vader, bro. Have you ever seen a movie? Have, yeah, have you ever seen it? Like, what do you... Any movie. Any, any movie with a villain in it. But it's such a weird choice. Yeah. Since the villain of this movie, for like the most part, is men. Mm-hmm. Eloise, she keeps seeing visions of these men. That are evil, yeah. That are like these like weird amalgams of different men's bodies and faces. Which is a cool representation which is a, because which is, it's one guy. Yeah. When I was watching it, I turned to my mom and I was saying, this is a great feminist piece of media. Yeah. Like, unironically. Right. Great in their representation of men. But... Like Lady Bird. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> like Lady Bird and Little Women. Yeah. Um, I don't even. I love Little Women. I... I it's like the greatest movie ever. But go it's, on. Okay. <laughs> it's so small. All right, go on. <laughs> <laughs> That's not that funny. I should. It's really oh, not. whatever. But then the old woman is like, "You found out that I killed these men, and they're hiding under your floorboards. I'm gonna kill you now." Yeah, but this is what makes no sense. All right, so I I, I got a rant about this. So yes, it's like that typical scene. They are in this lady's like room slash office, and she like offers her like a tea. And then after Anya Taylor-Joy starts to drink the tea, the old woman is like, oh, I'm the murderer, and I poisoned your tea. And then her boyfriend is waiting for her outside, and she told him, if I'm not back in 15 minutes, come back and find me. And so he walks in, and the old lady stabs him, and then he has to leave in an ambulance eventually. But um, Anya, no, no, no. It's so confusing. Eloise, like fixes everything and like releases the ghosts kind of right like she goes upstairs and like burns the house so it's all over but she got poisoned does she not die there's a scene after this that's like an epilogue where she's at like a fashion show and her beautiful like 60s tribute uh costume i don't know what you call it dress i don't know but everybody's like wearing these dresses and her boyfriend and her grandma are there and they're like great job and i'm like didn't you die (laughs) i don't know what it's supposed to mean i don't know if it's like one of these things where she's dreaming it and it's like i'm accomplished but she just got poisoned (laughs) it makes no sense to me it's 
It's that ending. I think if that ending weren't there, I would have given this movie a higher grade. It was great until it then. It was great until that. All, but until I will say, um, and I was always into it because visually, I think it's oh, very, it's it's terrific. Of course, but there's the one horror... shot. Of, there's one shot of Anya Taylor Joy dancing mm-hmm. in a club, and the colors are going, and she's. Yeah. Oh my god! You had me at Anya Taylor Joy dancing. I'm looking at that, and I'm like. Bazinga. Bazooka. Bazooka. Yeah, really. It's an amazing shot. And all those 60s scenes are amazing. But the ending just flops so hard. It brings down the entire movie for me. I also think the horror elements are pretty poorly handled. Because you jump into... You always feel a sense of foreboding. But the horror elements are jumped into so abruptly. In terms of like... You go from normal night of dreams that are maybe have a hint of negativity, and then boom, and then, men. Like, and then like not even men, zombies. You're like, what oh, yeah. the? You're like, whoa, yeah, whoa. And if they had gradually built towards that, it would have been it really, would have been, been really it solid. Been um, but the fact that they just jumped to that. Also, I think that what what was it, Tamins? Thomason. Tom, I'm That's sorry, I've names. never heard that name. Literally Thomas N. Okay, but Thomason McKenzie is a terrific actress, but she is not a good... She's bad in this movie. She's not a she's... great screamer. And to be in a horror movie, you got to scream well. And no, she's just that... Ah. She was bad in this movie. You think? That's another thing. I don't she agree. She was bad in this movie. I think Anya Taylor-Joy and uh, Matt Smith yeah. saved this movie. They're great, yeah. Um, but just with... My biggest issue is how they treated the messaging about feminism... It feels like it's just such a weird mixed message. Same with thing with promising young woman. Yeah, they get That's they both get very lost. And, and with their endings, they both get like terrible in the endings. And I feel similar to about both of them in quality, where right. I don't really think that either of them are great movies. But they're enjoyable. I enjoy both of them because they have elements that are great and of they course. do succeed. And even though they lose their way, it's worth the watch because of how they succeed at some points in the movie. I guess that's how I would sum yeah. it up. Yeah. Would you agree? So with seven out of ten for me. Seven out me of ten too. from you. Yeah. Wait, what time is it? Wait, I think it's time we talk about tick, tick, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> See what I did there? Time, tick, tick, boom. Yeah, like a clock. Yeah, like a clock. Yeah. 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 So tick, tick, boom is Lin Manuel Miranda's newest Di- directorial yeah. debut. And I don't know if he wrote any of the music. No, or he did not. He... It was a musical prior to this. Okay, Jonathan. Directed Larson. by John. Yeah. Okay. So this movie stars Andrew Garfield, and he plays Jonathan Larson, who wrote Rent, Rent, which is a musical. I mean, we're theater guys, so we know yeah, what Rent yeah, is. And I, it's I mean, bad. I, Rent is a bad musical, in my opinion, at least. Well, here's the thing: I do theater, but Rent's, I think that most musicals are pretty bad because I like Rent though, because it's catchy. But it I, catchy, the problem man. with, especially with Lin Manuel Miranda's, got this problem, where musicals now are a character just singing what we are seeing. Not revealing anything about, about the subtext. Which, or, rest in peace to Stephen Sondheim. He died yesterday. He died yesterday. and he Which was is a, tragic. A he is the best person to do musicals and do that thing where it's exploring the characters subtext. and not just what's happening on the yeah, screen. Yeah, because, I mean, Lin-Manuel Miranda's got these songs where it's like, I'm walking down the street. I'm singing in a musical. I'm walking down the street and I'm looking that's at the literally, stuff. That's literally in the heights. And, and no, in the heights, there's a line where the the fire hydrants are open and like where you're watching the movie and the fire hydrants are, and everyone sings the fire hydrants are open and I'm like, yeah, I know, like I see, I see right the fire there. hydrants are open. <laughs> open up the store and then they open up the store. Yeah. No way! Yeah. No way, bro! And I think Hamilton is a really good accomplishment. It's a good. And and the room where it happens is the one song. Banner. Where they, they, they accomplish what I want, where it's a character it's, talking about their feelings. Yeah. And not. Because it would be interesting if uh, Leslie Odom Jr. was like, I want to be what Hamilton is. I want to be. <laughs> like, But no, they say it in a different way, which is smart. Yeah. But yeah, I think that a lot of musicals have that problem where they just say what I know already. And I think Tick Tick Boom has that problem. It does have that problem. Even though it was written in like. 2000 something well I think Rent has that problem Rent, has, and I like Rent, Rent has that problem big time yeah it does where it explains everything and I like Rent but it does have that problem and Tick Tick Boom and oh, can we just start off by saying you texted me that you don't think Andrew Garfield can act I thought he was great I thought it was oh, okay, well, let's, can we explain the plot yes so it's like a meta thing and I don't mm. really there are a lot of layers in it though not yeah. many yeah, because it's like a story within a story yeah. about so, that t- story. Tick, Tick, Boom is about... This guy, and he's this it's, guy. it's about to be his 30th birthday, and he's trying to... He's been writing this musical for eight years. Called Su- Superbia. Yes, well done remembering that, because I wouldn't mm-hmm. have. And he's about to present it to um, 
Broadway people. Yeah. Stephen Sondheim's in it. Yeah, he's... Well, a, not... he. That, no, not Bradley that, Whitford plays, plays Stephen Sondheim, Sondheim, and he grunts a lot, and I'm like, <laughs> good performance. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, so it's basically just about a guy who's afraid about time I, running out for him. That's what the technique is. This is literally Lin-Manuel Miranda. I think that's the reason why he directed this movie. I he's agree. Like, he's me! <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. And he also has a girlfriend... Who feels stuck because Extremely she gets... Extremely one note. Yeah, for sure. They really did not do so a good So poorly done. Yeah. And she gets a job offer, and but she'd have to move away. So it's that typical thing where the guy's like, well, I, I gotta stay here and do my but art. But they barely even invest in that. No, in the they, movie. They, they really don't. They really just focus on making this musical. But I, I like... For half of the movie, I had no clue what the musical's about. For most of the movie, even. So I don't really care. So I'm just seeing Andrew Garfield going around going, Guys! Guys! I'm not finished with this musical! I, I can't finish it. Like, I put my hand to the paper and I try to write, but nothing, nothing comes out. Nothing. That's, is it's, that, a, it's a pretty good impression. And it's such a just boring movie. Such a nothing movie. Oh, I don't agree. Uh, I liked it. I, mean, I did not like it. You didn't? I, I really liked it. did not like but it. But I like music. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> hey. You know, I think we relate on that one. I, I like music. You listen to Playboy Cardi? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> no. But I like listening to, you know, music and stuff. So I thought the movie was <laughs> but if He has a keyboard right here? Yeah, that's true. We're recording with a mic that I used to record music. I got an album coming out soon. Oh, so. EP, you mean? I don't know yet. Oh. I'm, there's, I'm, I'm spitting out so many songs per night that I think this might turn into a full album. Ooh, nice. What are the rules? When When is something long enough to be an album? I have no clue. I don't either. I gotta look that up. And that has nothing to do with this? No, it has to go with the... Usually LPs and EPs. EP is um, extended play, so it's like a single and a couple other songs. And LP is a long play. And it has to do with the vinyls. Oh, okay. And how... Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't a music podcast. No. But it could be. It could be no, if you want. No, it should Hit me up if you want that. But, um... Ooh. No, not in a weird way. Gosh. <laughs> I wasn't suggesting... Okay, whatever. This movie sucks. <laughs> Andrew Garfield is so terrible. Well, what is it. your problem with his performance? It's so... I don't... I, I can't even, I don't even know. It's so expressive, but the expression just doesn't work. Because everyone else is playing a flat character, basically. Like, his girlfriend's flat character. His roommate, who's like a businessman who moved out, is a yeah. flat character. It's just about this guy struggling. I, I'm struggling to remember, like, important plot events. All I remember is that the musical gets presented in the, like, last 20 minutes, and his friend gets HIV. Yeah. And that inspires him, and he's like, I'm gonna write Rent now. Yeah. Basically. Basically. Yeah. But, like, I don't care about Superbia because it was never produced. It's just not an interesting movie to me. I was very bored watching it. And it's two hours. It feels like it could be an hour and a half. Or even an hour and 20 minutes. It was two hours? Wow. It was two hours. It didn't feel it to me. I, I felt it. it. I felt it. I watched it on a car trip. Oh, car trip. Just going around Charleston and stuff. And it was boring. Well, here's what I'll say. And this probably reveals that I'm a moron. But when I was watching it, I didn't know who Jonathan Larson was, and I didn't know that he was... Oh, I didn't know who I was going into it. You didn't? Okay, no. I didn't know... And I'm he... a big musical, like, I'm a bigger musical guy. Yeah, than, than you are, than I am, yeah. And I didn't know he wrote Rent, and there I was one that. moment in this movie where all of the characters, it was the song where they're in the diner, and they're talking about how mundane it is, basically, like, on a Sunday, how stupid you'd be to order from a diner. And all of the characters are singing in unison, and they're, like, building up, and they're crescendoing, and I'm like, man, this is just like Rent. I said that to my dad. I was like, yo, this is just like Rent. And then my dad turned to me and he said, and he said, yeah, this guy's going to write Rent next. And I thought he was kidding. But then at the end, he writes Rent. And I was like, oh. <laughs> so, oh. My, so my dad knew. And I was like, all right. So I guess I thought that was cool. Well, <laughs> I, for the most of the movie, I thought it was just Lin-Manuel Miranda talking about how much struggle he goes through. I thought it was autobiographical. I thought it was just about Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah, so did Lin-Manuel I. But, and I think it's cool. But it's all Jonathan Larson. He wrote this musical about himself before he died. Yeah. So, But don't you think that's cool that Lin-Manuel Miranda would direct something that he didn't write? Because he's all about... <laughs> no, my dad... Because, okay. We saw Tick, Tick, Boom in the morning. And then we went to the theater to go see Come On, Come On. But the website got it wrong, so we had to see whatever was playing, and it was Encanto, which is another Lin-Manuel Miranda movie. But and we're he, not talking about that movie. Either. No, we're not. But exactly. he, he wrote the music for it. And first of all, I was like, man, I am really tired of Lin-Manuel Miranda today. <laughs> but my dad, That's we were walking out of the movie, and my dad was like, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda's going to take over the world. 
And he's right. He puts out he's, so yeah. much music. And he's with Disney now? Yes. He puts out so much music, and it's insane. So the fact that he would direct something mm-hmm. that... And it's doing well. It's doing pretty well. It didn't have a wide... It, it failed in the theaters. But well, it's on Netflix, Netflix, right? It's, yeah, but it was also released in some theaters. I didn't know that. Yeah, and it failed. It's got like $100,000. Really? Okay. <laughs> well, Netflix movies normally don't make money in theaters, so... Yeah, yeah. I don't think... I, I think I'm thinking of anything because I might have made more when I was in theaters. You're kidding. No. I didn't know that that... Re- I wish I saw that. It came out in theaters for a little bit. We'll talk about that yeah. a lot. I'm afraid... This episode is long. This one that we're doing it's right now is pretty long. long. I don't know how long... Our it, Charlie it's, Coffin. It's probably going to be like four hours. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be an epic. But, so um, I, I, I don't think we have to really spoil much. There's not much to tick, spoil. Tick, boom. No, there's nothing to spoil. Um, I, mean, I mean, it's a musical. It's, it's a predictable. Musical. But it's the I, songs are good. That's my favorite part of the. I thought the songs, the songs were good. Songs I like. Good. I prefer Tick Tick Boom far more than than In the Heights. Oh yeah, of course. I thought Tick Tick Boom was much better than In the Heights. I thought it was a much more personable story, and I think I connected with it because recently I have been writing music. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. It's kind of a joke, but also not. And you're turning thirty soon. I'm. I'm seventeen. <laughs> He's on his way. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. So, but you know, I think that anybody can relate to the pressure of wanting to do something before. Like like I said, I'm about to be an adult, Gavin. Right. Can you believe it? You're just I, a wee little freshman, even though you're tall, you're taller than me. That's taller than me. But um, and you're mature beyond your years, Thank of you. course. Thank you, but uh, you know, you get scared that what you've done so far isn't, you know. So I think I'm in a liminal space. Cause yeah, that's not a liminal. Sp- oh well, I guess it is. A liminal a space. Seventeen. Oh. Liminal. I'm talking about. Have you seen the pictures of like the back rooms? No. The back. I'll show you them. There's like okay, I'll show you them after. But I think we should wrap this up. I think we should we were, too. He texted me, and when we were talking about what we're gonna do for this episode, um, he said, "Yes, you wanna watch Tick Tick Boom and King Richard with Will Smith?" And we both just didn't watch it. No. Yeah. So, <laughs> sorry guys, probably don't see King Richard. It is failing. Is it hard in theaters? It had like a fifty million dollar. Well, I don't know what anything means anymore because since it's also on HBO Max, I can't tell. No, but it's still failing. Like I, it's I like, can't tell if it is. I don't know how to. Check. I have not heard a single person talk about that movie. I've heard a lot of people talk about it because they're mad that it's about uh, Serena and Venus's dad and not them, and that's why I wanted to watch it actually because everybody was mad that they made a movie about Serena Williams and it isn't really about her but they produced it they're the ones who made it about their dad so That's I was kind of I was mad I was like alright I'm gonna watch this just so everyone will you, shut and up and you didn't watch and it and then I didn't I was like eh, no I don't want to see Will Smith just be boring for two hours okay whatever yeah. but Tick Tick Boom I give it six out of ten I'm seven I liked it I think that if you like musicals it's a no brainer it's just, it's, and if you don't like musicals, it's a no-brainer. Do not watch it. it <laughs> like, yeah, if you don't like musicals, don't watch it. Yeah. Obviously, because the it's songs a, are nice. It is a it's musicals a musical. Uh, there are musicals that come out where you don't have to like musicals to like it. La La Land, because that's it's oh, a different. Of yeah, well, that's are, a different like. Exactly. There are plenty of people that watch La La Land that don't like other musicals that love the movie. My dad doesn't. Well, apparently really. not the Oscars. Right. Mm. <laughs> You guys hear about that? Moonlight. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but there are musicals that come out, like, that are universally, like, no matter what. This is not one of them. If you don't no. like musicals, don't watch don't it. Watch and it's it. as simple as that. If you do like musicals, you'll probably like Check this, because it it's very Broadway with all the explaining everything that's happening. I enjoyed it, though. I, I enjoyed it. Okay. But it's just not a very good movie. Yeah. Like, if, if I was not a musical guy, I would give this, like, a half star, probably. Okay. Well, since we're talking about... Um, oh, we're just one more thing. I got, one more I got thing. one more thing. Gotcha. It's it's the wrap up. Since we're talking about modern movies, just in case you're not on, uh, in, in time for the end of the year, what has been your favorite movie that you've seen? Nobody. This year? Oh, you already said. <laughs> There's that. this movie. Okay, nobody Explain is directed is, by sure. the person who made um, John Wick. Hard- no, no, that's the fight choreographer. Yes. Okay. Um, who made Hardcore Henry, which is. Uh, Another first action, person. A first person movie. I, I love that movie. It's, it's so good. Yeah. It's so fun. Um, it's about this dad who's going through. Played by movie. Bob Odenkirk, who oh, is. Who is a god! Saul Goodman. Oh my god. From he Bad. is literally Jesus. Bringing Oh yeah. my god. People say that a lot. Yeah? He's a, He's when he showed up in man. Little Women, my theater erupted. In yeah. Applause. No. <laughs> that, wouldn't that be amazing? That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's go. Yeah. So good, man. No, they didn't uh, but it's a, it's a fun, it's such a fun movie. It is really fun. Um, I don't think that it has any merit to be the best movie of the year. But, uh, but go on. This me, is your opinion. Yeah. Well, this is my. I don't think it's. I think the best movie of the year is Annette, directed by. Oh, I haven't seen it. Some yet. French director with um, 
Adam Driver. It's a mu- it's a musical as well with the Sparks Brothers mm-hmm. who did the music for it. I still it's, it's the best movie, but my favorite was Nobody. How about you, Trip? How about you? It's okay. I think the Fresh Dins. Mm. French Dispatch is up there. I also think that there are plenty of movies that I haven't seen yet that are supposed to be really good, so I don't know yet. And I, I, I'll, I think I'll make a list at the end of the year. But so far, it's between Dune and The Green Knight for me. I haven't seen The Green Knight. Oh, it's so good. I almost got it on a DVD yesterday, but my mom was like, don't buy it. We just got you a PS5. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, I got a PS5, guys, so... No biggie. Let's but... talk about video games really quick. <laughs> no, no, let's no. not. Let's not. Well, you have reached the end of this episode. Yeah, that I, Thank end. you, Gavin, for being here. We're, yeah, no we're problem. just about to record two more, though, yep. after this, so... <laughs> Yeah, the please. Never stops. They're gonna come out at all the same time. So if you like this episode, we Go got plenty more where that came from. Yeah. We're doing a Kaufman ranking, and then we're talking about the Charlie Kaufman. Yeah, Charlie, not Andy. And we're talking about the <laughs> Daniel Craig and some other James Bond, Bond movies, movies after this. Right. So thank you for listening to this episode. Yeah, Stay woke.